0: slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.
1: From KQED. It's a simple but alarming question. If the Lake Chabot Dam in the Oakland Hills cracked open in a big earthquake, what kind of flooding should the communities below expect? Are we talking a tsunami knocking down the houses? or sidewalk streams? The question from Holly-Ann Vickers-Kang was driven by more than idle curiosity. She and her husband were considering buying a home in San Leandro, a town right below the dam. And, you know, we were expecting to see on the disclosures things about earthquakes, but I was not expecting to see anything about a flood zone. It was totally surprising to me. She did some research and found the culprit. Perched in the hills just above town is Chabot Dam, and roughly 3 billion gallons of water stored behind it in Lake Chabot. When it was built in the mid-1870s, the dam was one of the largest in the world. It's a massive earthen embankment about 135 feet high, positioned at the mouth of the canyon where San Leandro Creek once cascaded from the hills toward San Francisco Bay. If an old dam holding back billions of gallons of water just above a densely populated area doesn't scare you, maybe the fact that it was built within a few hundred yards of the Hayward Fault will. Scientists say that over the last 900 years, the fault has produced a powerful earthquake magnitude 6.3 or higher every century and a half on average. The last one was a century and a half ago. That 1868 quake devastated the East Bay, caused widespread damage in San Francisco, and killed 30 people. So that's Chabot Dam and the major seismic danger lurking in our midst. But it isn't clear to Vickers-Kang just what the threat might look like in the streets of San Leandro if the worst happened and the dam gave way.
2: What kind of flood are we
1: talking here? Yeah, like, do I need to buy a canoe? Like, what... You know, like, like, should we get life jackets in our emergency backpacks? Today on the show, we take a hard look at our dams and just how safe they really are. What can we expect to happen when the next big earthquake hits? I'm Katrina Schwartz, and this is Bay Curious. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company.
2: What
1: would happen if Chabot Dam cracked open and emptied the lake behind it onto neighborhoods in San Leandro and East Oakland? It's an alarming thought. We asked KQED's Dan Brecky, who's reported on safety issues at California's Oroville Dam, to find the answer.
0: Holly Ann Vickers-King's question is a really good one because it reminds us that all dams pose risks of some kind. Given the nature of the job they perform, holding back huge volumes of water that can turn from Placid Lake into deadly torrent if unleashed all at once, they deserve very close attention. When that attention lapses, catastrophes can and do happen. In late May 1889... Flood water overflowed a badly maintained private dam in western Pennsylvania, triggering its collapse. A wall of water raced down the valley below. A century later, historian David McCullough said the Johnstown Flood was still vividly alive in the local consciousness. I grew up in western Pennsylvania. I'd heard about the Johnstown Flood my whole life. As children, we used to shout, run for the hills, the dam is busted little knowing what real terror
1: is in those words.
0: The flood wiped entire towns off the map and killed 2,200 people. And California owns its own special chapter in the history of dam disasters with a tragedy that unfolded more than 90 years ago in a remote canyon 50 miles north of downtown Los Angeles.
1: From the day the St. Francis Dam opened in 1926, it leaked. The folks in the farm towns downstream used to joke they'd see you later if the dam don't
0: break. On March 12, 1928, the St. Francis Dam disintegrated just hours after it was pronounced sound by Los Angeles water chief William Mulholland, who had designed and built the two-year-old structure. When the massive concrete dam broke apart, water raged more than 50 miles to the Pacific Ocean, killing about 450 people along the way. But those events, 130 years ago in Johnstown, 90-some years ago in Los Angeles County, sound like ancient history. Much more recently, California got a lesson in how dangerous and costly a failure of even part of a major dam can be. Failure of the auxiliary spillway structure will result in an uncontrolled release of floodwaters from Lake Oroville. Evacuation from the, low the 2017 of collapse Downstream of the spillway at Oroville Dam in the northern Sierra foothills 130 miles northeast of San Francisco touched off a series of events that led local officials to order 188,000 people to flee their homes. This is not a drill. Repeat, this is not a drill. Spillways are crucial to preventing overtopping. That's what happens when a reservoir rises over the top of a dam and simply spills over. A spillway is like an emergency valve. Dam managers can open to safely release water from a reservoir before it spills over the top. But back in February 2017, Oroville Dam Spillway began to disintegrate, just as a series of winter storms dumped huge amounts of rain across Northern California. Without a fully functioning spillway, Lake Oroville rose rapidly. Water poured over a hillside that was supposed to serve as an emergency spillway. That emergency spillway began to fail too, leading to the mass evacuation. In the aftermath, investigators found the emergency spillway was ill-conceived and that the main spillway was badly designed, poorly built, and inadequately maintained. So how is Chabot Dam different from all those bad dams? And what does East Bay Mud have to say about Chabot cracking open and unleashing a catastrophe on the East Bay?
3: The simple answer to that question is that the dam would never crack open.
0: That's Jimmy Yoloye, East Bay Mud's Director of Engineering and Chief Dam Safety Officer. He oversees the district's 26 dams, including Chabot Dam.
3: The reality is that the dams are designed such that they don't just crack open. You will see signs of a failure if one is to occur, and uh, the dams are designed with monitoring equipment to make sure that you can see that happening if if it were to occur.
0: To understand East Bay Mud's confidence that a dam built within a quarter mile of a dangerous fault will stand up to a violent shaking, let's take a look at how the dam was first built nearly 150 years ago and how it's been maintained since. Anthony Chabot, who had launched a series of profitable ventures supplying water to San Francisco, Oakland, and other Bay Area cities, conceived the idea for the dam, scouted the site on San Leandro Creek, helped design the massive structure, and supervised its construction. Work began in early 1874. The San Leandro Record newspaper described the busy site.
1: The glare of the forge, the ring of the Smith's hammer, the noise of the Wheelwright saw the hurrying to and fro of busy men, all go to make up a picture, to the visitor, exceedingly interesting, and giving him to understand that a grand thing is being achieved.
0: The record also noted a small army of workers, including 500 immigrant laborers from China. They did the backbreaking work of digging a foundation trench to bedrock, then building up the dam's huge embankment.
1: The Chinese were the neglected group of workers in the building of Lake Chabot. They never got the credit.
0: Jacqueline Beggs is a retired East Bay Regional Parks ranger who led history tours for more than 15 years at Lake Chabot. She says few who look at the dam today can appreciate the enormous labor involved in building such a structure essentially by hand. It was such horrific work,
1: and they had to hand dig so much. And that's why we called them the shovel men.
0: By 1876, the dam rose 100 feet above the original creek bed and stretched 500 feet across the top. Anthony Chabot's company delivered water to homes throughout Oakland from what was then called San Leandro Reservoir. It was about this time that the Oakland Tribune raised an alarm. What would happen, the paper asked, if the mighty new structure failed? The terrible consequences that would result from the bursting of this dam and the sudden rush through the gorge below of this vast body of water on loose to instantaneously deluge the valley can scarcely be conceived. In the twinkling of an eye, it would annihilate the fruits of years of industry, destroying millions of dollars worth of property, and send more than a thousand human souls unheralded into oblivion. Work continued through the early 1890s, raising the dam another 10 feet or so and adding a huge amount of fill to the dam's embankment, which is about 1,000 feet thick at its base. Not long afterward, the dam got a real-world test. The great 1906 San Francisco earthquake devastated the city, likely killed thousands of people, and ruptured the San Andreas Fault for 300 miles. Chabot Dam survived with no apparent damage. In more recent times, Chabot Dam weathered the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake unscathed. That was the last big event in the dam's history. Since then, East Bay Mud has continued to study and strengthen the dam. That's because regardless of past history, the dam poses a serious potential danger. The state requires owners of dams with significant downstream hazards to create inundation maps, and the map for Chabot Dam is pretty scary. It shows an area stretching from the San Leandro Hills all the way to Oakland Airport that could suffer a devastating flood if the dam broke. Tens of thousands of people live and work in that area. East Bay Mud's engineering chief, Jimmy Yoloye, says the chance of a disaster like that is extremely remote.
3: The inundation maps are intended to show what is the worst possible scenario if the dam were suddenly to just disappear.
0: Yolo Ye says decades of improvements, ongoing inspections, and regular reevaluations of the dam's condition and seismic vulnerability would prevent that worst possible case scenario from occurring. But what will happen if? Or when a big quake shakes the dam. Fifteen years ago, at the direction of state dam safety officials, East Bay Mud commissioned an independent study of that very question. The analysis assumed a Hayward Fault event of magnitude 7.25. Yoloye says the study found parts of the dam embankment would not be as stable as earlier studies had suggested.
3: And that could cause the dam, the top of the dam, to slump by about three feet.
0: Other damage could be expected, too, including some cracking of the main dam structure. But since the top of the dam is 23 feet above the maximum level of Lake Chabot, there would be no uncontrolled release of water.
3: We would probably have had to drain the dam a little bit and then do a repair.
0: That analysis led to a 2017 project to seismically reinforce the dam. Jimmy Yoloye says the state inspects Chabot and the rest of East Bay Muds dams every year to ensure they're safe. The dam is also equipped with electronic instruments to monitor conditions in its huge earthen embankment. Longer term studies are needed too.
3: We routinely, probably every five to ten years, we do an evaluation of the seismic stability of the dam to, you know, with the latest seismic engineering information to make sure that nothing has changed and the dam is still in safe condition.
0: How does our question asker, Holly Ann vickers kang feel about the dam and the risks it poses now?
2: I'm not comfortable with any aspect of my own mortality,
1: but here I find myself.
0: She and her husband wound up buying a house in San Leandro downstream from the dam. Hearing that the seismic risk is taken seriously and that the dam has been upgraded recently does give her some peace of mind.
1: In a way, I feel extremely reassured to know that there's some kind of dam safety people and like engineers that are thinking about this
0: dams are a little deceiving when we look at them we see them as fixed immovable objects but they're really living breathing structures that must withstand awesome physical forces and are constantly changing in barely detectable ways it's good to keep an eye on them and it's essential to make sure that the agencies that own and operate them are doing that too
1: Thanks to KQED reporter Dan Brecky for that story. We're working on an episode about how the COVID-19 pandemic has changed the Bay Area. It's a big question, and we probably won't have all the answers for a while. So in the short term, I want to know, how has your life in the Bay Area changed in the last year?
3: Hi, my name is Devin Kadiyama, and I host the Bay Podcast. And I would say over the last year, I put a lot more thought into family. A big part of that was because my wife and I had our first child, a baby girl, Finley. Uh, and also because my parents have mostly been in our bubble at various points during the pandemic. And they really actually were <laughs> were our best friends at one point, and, uh, which has never really been the case. So I've gotten a lot closer to my family, but I've also had a lot more time to think about what our family is going to look like in the future.
1: Record your answer on the Voice Memo app on your phone and email it to us. The address is baycurious at kqed.org or call and leave us a voice message at 415-553-3334. We might include your story in an upcoming episode. Bay Curious is produced by Susie Racho, Katie McMurrin, and me, Katrina Schwartz. Our show is a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. We'll be back next week with more answers to your questions. So long.
2: Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Okay, our question for the month is: The world's longest running pillow fighting contest was held from nineteen sixty six to two thousand six in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. Hey, QED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mindshift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond